From the Breslin Center to Little Caesars Arena, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident. On the game, 7.30 a.m. The views and positions expressed in this program are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the views and positions of the game 7.30 a.m. Some may find the content of this program controversial or offensive. Put on your big boy pants and buckle up. This isn't a safe space for weak takes or whining. You can say that this sports radio show is offensive-minded. Call the show at 517-300-4263. Text or call us through the game, 7.30 a.m. Message the game, 7.30 a.m. on Facebook. Guess who's back? Back again. Beanie's back. Tell a friend. Here's your host and professional Hellraiser, Beanie Howell. Hi, everybody. It's a Suds and Duds edition of the show here on Offensive Minded. You know how that works. Yep. Chance for you to win a $25 gift certificate to the Nuthouse of downtown Lansing just by nominating one good and one bad performance from the weekend that was in the sports universe. We'll do that all show. But here are all the ways to submit your Studs and Duds nominations. Phone line 517-342-63. Email the show, beanie at wvfnam.com. Use the free game 730 AM app, too. Just click chat in the main menu. That'll send over a free text message to us. And Facebook's out there, too. Search Facebook for the game 730 AM to send us a message or post a comment. You can get your studs and duds in that way, too, okay? We'll do it all show. Hi, Dr. J. How was your weekend? It was fine. How was yours? Yeah. I don't, you know, these weekends this fall feel so neutered because of Michigan State <laughs> football. They do. They, the fall is, well, for me especially, I'm having an absolutely awful, awful football season. Just terrible. There's no escape from the, the outright dread and uh, futility for me. Saturday's yeah, bad and Sunday's awful lying. too. You know, there's no getting away from it. Mm-hmm. I don't know who's more incompetent right now in my world. Is it Michigan State or is it the Packers? They're both three and seven. <laughs> it's awful. Anyway, 
at least you get a like half reprieve on Sundays. At least there's a lot of Michigan State fans that have the Lions coming through for them now on on Sundays. That's that must be nice, huh? Yeah, that helps me to kind of make it through the football depression on Saturday. You just get a quick knowing detox have, every yeah, Sunday. That I have the Lions to look forward to on Sunday. Well, I want I want to save Lions talk, NFL talk to Tuesdays like we usually do and keep Monday for Michigan State and college football in general because man, look, I don't think anyone is terribly surprised by what happened in Columbus Saturday night. And if you are, then you're just not paying attention or you're rejecting reality. But look, this is how the last eight against Ohio State have gone now. You've lost eight in a row to the Buckeyes, outscored 320 to 77 in those eight games. I did a little public school math that comes out to an average score of about 40 to 10. And frankly, they don't feel that close. The last four, State has been outscored by Ohio State 195 to 42. That's an average about 49 to 11. All sorts of bad ways to slice this. You know, Michigan State hasn't kept it within 20 points against Ohio State since 2016. That was the last time it was under 20 points. And then listen to this. This is the worst. The worst of the worst. Ohio State's efficiency against Michigan State, or or maybe a better way to put it is MSU's abject ineptitude. On Saturday, Ohio State scored touchdowns on its first five possessions. Last year, Ohio State scored touchdowns on eight of its first nine possessions. And the one that they didn't was still a touchdown. It was just a pick six by Chuck Brantley. In 2021, Ohio State scored touchdowns on all seven of its first seven possessions. And in 2020, Ohio State scored touchdowns on three of its first four possessions. Like, this isn't... These aren't games. These aren't scrimmages. These are like... Ohio State's playing Madden on easy. Or they're playing like... (laughs) It's like a grown-ass man. One of these professional gamers playing Madden against like a six-year-old who's just got his first Xbox and is just picking up the game. This is not close. This is not competitive. Now, I'm not here to do a show just bitching about how State got completely humiliated by Ohio State. No, that's not the point because that's not news. We kind of expected that even if this season hadn't gone to hell right after the Richmond game with everything that happened with the Tucker and all that. Like, we, we expected this anyway. This was always going to be the outcome. But it's hard to ignore the, the greater implications here. And what I mean is Michigan State does not belong on the same field as these teams, Ohio State and Michigan specifically. And I suspect it'll look very similar against Penn State in a couple of weeks. I mean, when State has played a good team, they haven't belonged. Obviously, Michigan and Ohio State throw Washington in there too. And probably Penn State, like we just said, in a few weeks. That's not good. I mean, you don't want to lose to begin with. But the fact that State can't hang, they can't even hang around. These games are over so fast. And it's merciless, like hot knife through butter. 
It's just awful. Obviously unwatchable, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm just, I'm saying they don't look like they're from the same division of college football. Like, I think North Dakota State would put up a better fight at this point. Obviously, that's unacceptable. You know, what good is bringing this kind of stuff up? Although, I got to tell you, listen, I know this interim staff was dealt a horrible hand, and I really don't expect them to do anything. There's no pressure on them. Uh, As far as I'm concerned, they would all be gone except for maybe Courtney Hawkins in a few weeks. But I got to tell you, I don't care if you're an interim staff on a winless team. It doesn't matter, especially if the interim head coach is supposedly a defensive whiz and a, a coverage expert. How in the hell do you, as even an acting Division I head football coach, take your team, which is incredibly vulnerable, and on top of that, you know, just bad, but even worse, made even worse by all of the injuries, and a bunch of true freshmen playing in spots where they're not ready at all. How can Harlan Barnett and everyone else, but it really falls on him, he's the acting head coach, right? And he thinks he's going to get serious consideration for the permanent job. (laughs) Uh, Only he thinks that, though. But how can he go into that game and multiple times put Dylan Tatum, oh, he didn't play, never mind, Angelo Gross, whomever, uh, Chance Rucker, how can he put these guys, these kids, one-on-one with the best player in college football? And it didn't just happen once, and it didn't happen because of broken coverages, and it didn't happen because Ohio State ran hurry up and didn't let Michigan State substitute. Nope, it happened by design. Michigan State strategically decided, we are going to try to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. one-on-one. Listen, I need everyone to lean in real close to the radio right now. And I'm going to sound like my pastor when I was growing up going to church. (laughs) Southern Baptist tradition and all. I need you to hear my voice. This ain't me talking. This is God speaking through me. If you are out there and you honestly believed Harlan Burnett deserved any shot at this job, you need to let that go. You need to let that evil out of your church. You need to let that sin go. Because the Lord is not going to let this brain-dead man come anywhere near the permanent job. How the hell do you do that? I don't care if Scotty Hazelton's still the defensive coordinator. Dude, I have no experience, none, in coaching at any level of college football, or any level of football, period. My coaching experience (laughs) is limited to my sister's Little League softball for a few years. That's it. But guess what? I know better than to put anyone on an island against Marvin Harrison Jr. Penn State might have the best defense in this whole damn league. And they were double and triple covering the guy. And he still went off for 200 yards on them. Michigan State comes in with this wounded duck defense. And you know what? That's giving them too much credit. Michigan State's defense is like one of those sad dogs in the Sarah McLaughlin commercials with one eye and three legs. And they put that out there. They put that out there against a Mack truck. What do you think is going to happen? Now, if State had doubled him the whole game, the result wouldn't be much different. But it's about the appearance of it. It's about what went into the decisions. 
because these guys, whether they're bad coaches or not, work a lot. They put a lot of hours in every week. I guarantee you state staff put in well over 40 hours leading up to this. Probably like 70, 80 hours. And that's not even a lot. A lot of these guys push like the 100-hour mark in a given game week. But the point is, you mean to tell me that this collection of brain-dead dumbasses sat around all week and they don't even really have any pressure to win. The only objective they really have is to try to slow Ohio State down to come up with just a couple of empty possessions so they can say, look, we tried. We tried. We tried to put what players we have, albeit them incredibly inefficient and ineffectual, and the ones who actually do have talent are nowhere near ready and being forced into playing duties in serious positions well ahead of schedule, we can at least put them in the best possible situation to succeed. Right? Wrong. They can't even do that. They, they tried to single cover Marvin Harrison Jr. practically the whole game with Chance Rucker. Not only is that brain dead, not only does that show this entire cast of frauds will be spending the next years and foreseeable amount of years, probably the rest of their careers, topping out in group of five assistant coaching ranks. It's borderline cruel and unusual to Chance Rucker and to every, even the older guys like Angelo Gross. That's malpractice. You should be able to get sued for that. Can you believe that? And again, I'm not trying to make something happen here. I'm not trying to hold these guys to account because it doesn't matter. They're all, they may not know it like Harlan Barnett, but they're all dead men walking. They don't have a job here in a couple of weeks. It's over. Not that they were put in a good position either. But guys, listen, you still have a roster with enough bodies and you could have at least feigned an interest in doing it the right way. How many times did you see Marvin Harrison Jr. just abuse whatever bum state had on him one-on-one? The best corners in this game can't handle that guy one-on-one. There are NFL corners who couldn't handle him right now one-on-one. That ain't right. What does Mark D'Antonio do? Why did he come back? Well, I know why. But still, not, not, not like he needed the paycheck. But what does he do all week? Does D'Antonio sit in those meetings and just think, wow, what a bunch of dumbasses. I can't believe these guys were mine at one point. Does he not speak at all? I know D'Antonio is the consummate loyal guy. And a lot of these guys, especially Harlan Barnett, you know, he, he loves and he doesn't want to step on the toes of their opportunity. I get that. But they brought you back to help. Not to stand on the side of the road and watch the car crash happen. They brought you back to get involved, to try to pull bodies out of the wreckage. He's just standing there watching the car burn. What was the point of that? And before any of the D'Antonio loyalists start up, this is not about him. I'm not upset with him. But I am wondering what he's been doing the last two months. (laughs) I don't get it, man. I I don't get how you can... I don't get how anyone with an IQ in triple digits could ever think in any position at all with five stars 
guys who are going to be first-round picks, whatever, could try to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. one-on-one consistently, let alone with this ragtag roster. If any of you out there, and I know some of you do, but if any of you are listening right now who still think Harlan Barnett deserves serious consideration, do yourself a favor. Stop being involved with this program. You're the dead weight holding it back. Just like these bums running the show right now. Just like the guy who brought this house of cards down the last two years. That guy feeling really stupid right now because he's watching Jimbo Fisher get the payday he ought to have gotten. But uh, unlike Mel, Jimbo Fisher was able to keep his hands off himself while talking to rape survivors on the phone, ostensibly. Jesus, I can't believe what I watched. I really can't. And again, I want to be completely clear. Dr. J, you can vouch for me. I had no, I was under no pretense this was going to be anything other than leading whatever is worse than a, a group of lambs to the slaughter. I knew it was going to be that, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, you've said that all along. I didn't even want to watch it. Nope. I didn't want to see because I knew it was going to happen. Mm-hmm. Also, I was the only person on the tailgate show who th- thought Ohio State would cover. Really? Yeah. And I'm not trying to, ooh, look at me. I know everything about football. Nope. Nope. But I'll tell you what, I used to think every coach in college football was somewhat of a subject matter expert. But some of the crap I've seen this year out of this group of friggin' dumbasses running the show, oh, I'm not so sure anymore. With each passing week, it becomes more and more clear that Mel Tucker, and he's going to get all the blame, which he should, because that's how it works. Buck stops with me kind of deal. It wasn't just him. He assembled the biggest cast of career frauds perhaps ever put together at the Division I Power 5 level. I cannot believe how bad these guys are. Harlan Barnett, I knew, because he's never done anything without D'Antonio. Never. The one time he went out on his own, crashed and burned, fired in the middle of season two as the defensive coordinator at Florida State, where, by the way, they had better talent, and he couldn't do anything with them. It's almost like it was D'Antonio's defense. Huh. Anyway, man, like every week you learn something more, and it's, it's worse, right? Like, I mean... We've gone through other things this year with Ross Ells, the special teams coordinator. We, all, we already knew the other two coordinators are just god-awful, like need to be launched directly into the vacuum of space. But Ross Ells might be worse than, he might be worse than both of them. And then everyone associated with the decision, with the quote-unquote strategy, and I really hate to use that word because <sighs> their decisions, their plans were not strategic at all. Whoever was involved with the idea of routinely trying to cover Marvin Harrison Jr. one-on-one deserves a professional bullet in their professional forehead. That, all, that alone uh, is a fireable offense. And then to do that with a bunch of freshmen who aren't ready. Man. Honestly, I feel like I could do a better job coaching this team. Yeah, me too. Honestly, I, I, I feel the same because I, I don't know anything 
about the specifics of schemes or anything like that. But here's what I would tell the guys. I would say, boys, listen, here's what we're going to do. I need two of you to be on that guy at all times. But yep. coach, now we're at a dis. I don't care. Uh, coach, if there are more than one of us on him, that means someone else is open. Uh, boys, I hate to break it to you, but even with two of us on him, he's still going to be open. So at least two people are going to be open every play. It's just about making sure that we're doing what we can to not get completely humiliated today to show that there are a few synapses firing in our collective brains, guys. So I need two of you following him everywhere he goes. The rest of it, just figure out. That's what I would tell him, honestly. And I think it would have worked better than what they did. Just blown away by that. And honestly, I feel kind of stupid going on this rant because it's it's meaningless. Yeah, it doesn't matter anyway. But still, it's it's good to talk about it. Yeah, I do feel a little <laughs> bit better. we're all frustrated. Mm-hmm. It, it was a little therapeutic for me. But seriously, you know, it's superfluous because these guys are gone anyway. But... You know what, Dr. J, when I was thinking about this before the show and I was deciding, is this the direction I want to start the show in? Ultimate, and this is going to sound like a joke. It's not. Ultimately, I decided to go with this to open because, and I'm not kidding, the thought that crossed my mind, my inner monologue or whatever you, my conscience said, Brandon, you can start this show with this meltdown rant about the game plan for Marvin Harrison Jr. this weekend, even though it's directed at a bunch of coaches who won't be here in a few weeks, you should do it. Because if you just reach one person, just one person out there hears you melting down and ranting over this, and that changes their mind on the viability of a Harlan Barnett serious candidacy, you will have done the Lord's work. And I, you know what I said? I said, you know what, inner voice? That God is speaking through right now, I accept this divine and nobly appointed duty. I accept the burden of this glorious purpose, as Loki would say. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, I'm done. I just wanted to start with that because, wow, wow, in a season of all-time lows, they just keep digging out crawl spaces beneath them. God. I feel, you know, I'm not one who usually says this because I don't believe in this crap. Because I don't think they're kids considering they are adults. They're old enough to die for their country. And they are making, in, in, in all cases, thousands, in some cases, millions of dollars now. But I legitimately feel bad for the players. Mm-hmm. I do. I feel bad for them, man. The whole point of coaching is you're supposed to put the guys in a position to succeed. Doesn't mean it always happens. But if you at least put them in the right position, they have a swinger's chance, right? Yeah. Well, we can't even get that right. We can't even get that right, man. Because the guys on the sideline, <laughs> they might as well already be on the golf course somewhere sunny and warm because they ain't doing anything here. You know what I think they should do? And this is going to sound like a joke too, but it's not. Because let's, let's be real, and this is what I really wanted to get into. Michigan State football has a serious economic problem. Because at a time when things are getting more and more competitive, particularly in the finance realm, as you need more and more money in the facilities and NIL arms race, it's going to be awfully hard to drive enthusiasm 
for giving money to this program this offseason, especially if they hire anyone other than Urban Meyer. It's going to be real hard. It's going to be a real flat response. I feel bad for the development guys that have to make those phone calls. But at a time when that's so important, they need some sort of gimmick to generate some revenue. Seriously, you know what they should have done is when this all blew up after the Richmond game and we knew it was going to be like the rest of the season, just start firing coaches and like raffling away their position and duties for a week to the highest bidder. Yep. You mean to tell me Matt Ishbia wouldn't want his shot at calling plays? Oh, I think he would pay a lot to do that. (laughs) And if he didn't in week two, I'm sure by, you know, week four or five, after a few more fourth and one shotgun runs right up the middle to get stuffed and turn the ball over on downs, he would have been like, name your price and I will take over the play calling. How much would I spend? You know, I, I thought about this. Honest to God. I honest to God think, and everyone knows I'm incredibly wealthy. Yeah. But people like me who become incredibly wealthy, we don't get incredibly wealthy by flippantly spending dollars. So I'm still going to be very measured in this. I'm telling it, and this is not a joke either. I would sign a $10,000 check right now if I got to be in charge this weekend against Indiana. I would do it right now. I'd give Michigan State $10,000 right now if they'd let me do that. If I could be the, I don't know, what would it be called? The GMC Buick coach for the day. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because I'm sure it would be sponsored. Yeah. The lots of matzo pizza coach of the game. (laughs) I think it's genius. Oh, 10 grand like that. Yeah. Because it wouldn't be worth 10 grand to avoid Jay Johnson for, for a weekend. That's not why. It would be cool to put on my resume that I was in, <laughs> that I was an interim head coach for a game. I mean, that right there would make me more qualified than a lot of these guys. Mm-hmm. And you know what? I think I'd have a shot and more opportunities when they see that, whoa, this guy isn't calling for shotgun runs up the middle on fourth and short. I, I didn't know you could do anything else. How much would you pay, Dr. J? Well... I'm not as wealthy as you are, clearly. So maybe, maybe a thousand dollars to do it. I think that that would be my limit. My spending limit would be a thousand dollars. Hey, they can't afford to say no to anything right now, <laughs> literally. Well, anyway, that's the bigger topic because I wanted to parlay it into this. <laughs> if you're like me, and you are so dejected and despondent after just the latest no-show against a team with a pulse, I have some very, very bad news for you. You need to get used to it because it ain't going to get any better anytime soon unless they hire one guy. There's only one guy that can come in and make this thing better next year, appreciably better. There's only one. Just like there can only be one Highlander, there can only be one MSU head coach in 2024 that takes this thing above board and makes it a winning product. There's only one guy. And I'm not an urban or bust dude. I'm not. I think there are multiple guys who could turn out to be not good, but great hires for this program. I've already given you one of them, Jamie Chadwell. 
the guy who built up Coastal Carolina and is in year one at Liberty and is 10-0. and And generally speaking, I told you last week, I wouldn't be fishing for the whale right now. I'd be fishing for the, the, the whale calf, right? That's what they're called, baby whales, right? Because I don't think you should go after Urban Meyer. Now, I'd be okay with that, but he's... I'm not an urban or bust guy. Of course, I would love that. If that gets announced, oh, my God, the show will be incredible. Mm. It'll just be a party nonstop. <laughs> but I would try to find the next Urban Meyer, a guy who could do this longer, and, and a guy who would have more, frankly, uh, as my dad would say, piss and vinegar for what's needed in today's college football. That's Jamie Chadwell. That's who I would go with. But the point is, There's only one guy, though, that can take that mess that you saw on Saturday night, that you saw against Michigan, that you saw against uh, Washington, that you saw in the fourth quarter at Rutgers, that you saw in the fourth quarter at Iowa. There's only one guy who could come in in one offseason and turn it into a competent operation to challenge for eight or nine wins. There's only one. And I don't feel particularly confident that they're going to hire him. Now, there are different people saying different things. Fine. I would love to be wrong on that. But that's what I wanted to get to, Dr. J, is how is Michigan State going to sell this if it's anyone other than him? I just don't know. I just don't know. And frankly, what's worse is I don't care about their financing problems or their, <laughs> their funding issues, their donor apathy. That's not my problem. It's not my fault. It will be theirs if it's not Urban Myers, though. But what I care about is how many more years do I have to sit through them not even having a pulse against a team in the top echelon of the Big Ten? How many more seasons of this? Because, again, if it's anyone other than Urban Meyer, it's for sure at least next year you're going to have to deal with this again. For sure. And probably more than just that. And I want to be abundantly clear. Once again, I am not an urban or bust kind of guy. I think there are a lot of other coaches that could work out here. It would just take a little bit more patience. Like my number one candidate, Jamie Chadwell. Or a lot of people talking about Jonathan Smith from Oregon State. Okay. I think it could work. I'm a little concerned about the fact that, oh, I don't know, he's never been east of the Rocky Mountains, but... Maybe it can work. Maybe that doesn't matter as much anymore. If they give them enough money to buy players, I'm sure it wouldn't matter all that much. What really concerns me about him is what happened the last time we hired a guy named John Smith, but that's not his fault. The point is, I think there, there are more than one ways to skin this cat, but there's only one way to do it that's immediately gratifying, that will have immediate results. And I just don't know how much longer this fan base has patience for, man. Because I certainly don't. What about you? Dr. J, you've been consistent the whole time that there's, there's only one man for you besides me. Yes. And his name is Urban Meyer. <laughs> I'm, yes. I think that's who the fan base needs. That's who the program needs. And Michigan State has to do everything in their power to bring him here. Because then you have a couple of good years. You know, you can get the program back on track. And then you go and find the next Urban Meyer. And he could help you. Or he could find the next him for us. I know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that'd be nice. Mm-hmm. Look. Yeah. I tune on big. I tune into Big Noon Kickoff 
every Saturday, hoping that this Saturday will be the Saturday where Urban Meyer at the end of the show looks into the camera, looks into camera A and says, Michigan State. And he like, uh, you know, he, he, he channels the Joker from the Dark Knight. And he says, Michigan State deserves a better class of head coach. And I'm going to give it to him. Ooh, that or would be he, so good. Or if he just straight up qu- quotes the Joker and just, they like, he, he puts on a, a green blazer mm-hmm. and then puts on like the, the Sparty helmet. <laughs> and he says, this school deserves a better class of villain. And I'm going to give it to him. Perfect. That's it. That's all I want. Me too. 517 uh, Out of the full lines before we get out. Uh, who is this? Is this uh, True Blue? Yes, sir. How's it going? Hey, man. Hey. How you been since last time? Um, not too bad. Been taking some hits, but hey, you got to keep fighting, right? It's not how many times you're knocked down, man. It's how many times you get up. So hang in there. That's true. Well, hey, I... I uh, I, I got to ask you a question, and I'm going to give you my thoughts on Michigan State's coach. Yeah, go ahead. So, are you being facetious about uh, actually trying to get people to pay them to be, you know, coach for a weekend game, or, or are you just, you know, that's my first question. I think that is a promotion that they should have been doing immediately after Tucker was sat down. Because what the hell? It, it wasn't going to change the outcome, right? It wasn't going to hurt anything. Yeah, but that'd be a make a mockery of MSU and the sport of Man, you're right. You're right. I don't want anything to happen to our pristine image where the head coach was fired for touching himself on the phone to a rape survivor. If an AD did that, though, they would be just chastised. Uh, You know what else, though? I thought about this. I should have said this earlier because when Harbaugh was suspended for the first three games, I told Dr. J that off the air. I said Michigan should do like some big money donor drive and let like the highest bidder be the interim head coach for each one of these three games like they did with the guys on the staff. Right. Like Stephen Ross could do it for one game. (laughs) I I think it'd be killer. I don't think they could have called the worst offensive game I've ever seen in my life for college football. Who does that belong to? Moore. Sharon Moore. This past weekend, it worked, though. It worked. Oh, it has nothing to do with work. It has to do with doing the right thing. Now, so my only thought on that, and I'll sidebar, and I'll get back to my other thing. Um, I, I was thinking, okay, is McCarthy hurt? Did he have a hurt hand, arm? What's going on? Because that didn't make any sense to me when you got a, a really good running quarterback that can run and, and throw the ball on the run, and there were several plays that he actually did not run where he could have. Uh, that, that, to me, was the most disgusting offensive play calling I've ever seen in my life. Um, but that, like I said, we won. I'm happy, but still, it was awful. You know, I'm uh, hearing the opposite out of a lot of Michigan fans that were like, you know, borderline um, pulling a Mel Tucker, if you know what I mean, because it reminded them of the glory years of Bo and the three yards of cloud of dust. Yeah, no, I mean, come on. I mean, you run the ball to the middle. I mean, Penn State's middle you know, defensive line, they're tough. They're a good defensive team. Yeah. Um, now, I, I think that if we would have thrown some more screen plays, more, uh, you know, like end around or some type of reverse or something where they're over pursuing, we would have, I think we could have put 40 on them, but that was just my thought. Well, but, I, look, I think this is more impressive than scoring 40 points, and here's why. Because 
For one, I think the decision that Sharon Moore made was Penn State is only going to have a chance here of sneaking back in this is if their only way is of is if we breathe life into them by giving them the ball. So he did the old Woody Hayes math. Well, only three things can happen when you throw it, and two of them are bad. So, <laughs> and they were getting five yards a pop, you know, on the ground. They're, they're averaging five yards a carry, and I know it wasn't consistent. It was just like stuff, stuffed, spurt. Beat them, beat them, beat them. Yeah, but you know the the, the thing is though, on top of that, on top of that though, I think that was super impressive. And I, I look. This isn't going to fit with the narrative about me that I just hate Michigan and I can't ever give them credit because I think they deserve a ton of credit for lining up the entire second half. And really, it started in the middle of the second quarter and just telegraphing to Penn State. We are not going to throw the ball for the rest of this game. You know what's coming. See if you can stop it. And they couldn't. I think that's impressive. Yeah, I kept hollering several times, you know, like, come on, play action. They did a play action, and it was a pass interference. Yeah. Like, I didn't think their DBs could handle our wide receivers. Uh, But anyway, I'm glad we won. It was not pretty, but a win is a win, Uh, even if it's ugly, as as, uh, Al Davis used to say, just win, baby. Yeah. Uh, But I I, I really think, like you noted, um, you know, coming next three to five years, it's going to be tough for Michigan State football. Michigan went through with Hope and Rodriguez. Um, I think it's going to be a little easier with Nil than it was prior than, you know, what we went through. But I think the program is going to be down for the next three to five years. But I know you're – I don't think you get Urban, but I still say, and I say this to my starting friends, I think a really good coach out there for you guys, Beanie, um, he's proven he's young, and that's P.J. Slack. Oh, my God. I I can't handle it. Hang on. I know you said you don't want to have that – those oars on the side of a jersey, but you look at what he has done at Western Michigan and what he has done at Minnesota. He has done what Minnesota did with uh, what uh, Holtz did, Lou Holtz did for Minnesota, and they haven't done anything since between the two. So, what are you afraid of of PJ Fleck? I mean, the guy's been successful everywhere. Well, it's not. I'm not afraid of PJ Fleck. No one's afraid of PJ Fleck. That's part of the problem. The other problem is he's in the absolute dumpster fire that's called the Big Ten West. That an Iowa team, an Iowa team with no offense, is about to win this division. And PJ Fleck has won it what zero times. Now, I know he has one 11-win season mixed in there, but in the Big Ten West, which is absolute dog bleep, he's 3-4. and four. Now, listen, that doesn't excite me. A guy who's 5-5 five and five at Minnesota, and by the way, they're very unhappy with him. I don't care. I don't care. It's about the here and now, though, man. Like, he's, he hasn't gotten better. He has not gotten better at Minnesota, and I think you told me what you really think, True Blue, because you started your call by talking about his accomplishments from eight-plus years ago at Western. Well, it's been a while, and when he got a big boy opportunity with, by the way, a ton of opportunity and green grass in front of him in the Big Ten West, he just hadn't done anything. Sorry, I, I need more than that. His record in Minnesota has been pretty decent, and you look at how tough it is to recruit, because obviously it's easier to recruit at Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State than, in, than Minnesota. So you got to give him some It's about there. context, it's about, though. I mean, it's about context, just like Tim always says. It's not how you play, it's who you play. And look, man, they have a cakewalk every year. 
and he just he can't get it done. Uh, why would it be any different here? If he can't consistently beat Iowa, Wisconsin, Northwestern, and Nebraska, what's it going to look like playing Michigan every year? Now, I know the schedule's changing here, and they won't have Ohio State or Penn State every year. But if he can't handle that, I don't know how he's supposed to handle Oregon, USC, Washington. Yeah, I just, I'm not a believer. And yeah, I can't take uh, the voters. Maybe you can get Brady Hope to walk from San Diego to... Uh, well, he announced today he's retiring at the I, end of the season. I know. I, I know. But so, I mean, I think you're right. If Urban Meyer came, I think at three years you're looking at big turnaround. But who else is out there? Uh, what about um, Cincinnati coach? Uh, I don't even know who that is. Who is the Cincinnati coach uh, now? Cincinnati coach. He used to coach at uh, Ohio State. Why can't I remember? Um, Scott and Satterfield. No, it's Scott Satterfield who who left Louisville oh, because they were about to fire him, and he sucks. Okay, so who's the guy that was Cincinnati? That oh, was Luke Fickle. Who, he's at Wisconsin. That's right, Wisconsin. Okay. You mean the guy so, Michigan State had locked up and the board of trustees screwed uh, up at the 11th hour? That guy? I wanted Luke Fickle at Michigan before Harbaugh came because I think he's the hell of a coach. Are you sure about that? They're 5-5, five and five and they just lost at home convincingly 24-10 to 10 to Northwestern. Well, that's cute. How long has he been there now? This is his first Two year. Years? First year, okay. At Wisconsin. Year. I mean, uh, you got to give a guy a little break for one year. You can always go after Not when uh, you come up against standard. Northwestern, man. Sorry. Like, oh. <laughs> that's a problem. They lost to Indiana last week. Uh, they could score. They 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 couldn't um, hold Iowa under 15 points. That's hard to believe. Like the results are bad for him year one. I gotta leave it there, man. Good to hear from you though, because I'm way up against break. So callers, hang on. We'll get to you in just a few minutes. It's offensive minded studs and duds edition on the game 7:30 a.m. Sure, you could listen to static. <laughs> or you could get the free Game 730 AM mobile app in your app store today and listen longer without the interruptions from the static. Listen live to all your favorite moments in sports and hear all the action. The Game 730 AM app also has tons of great restaurant deals for you. It's waiting for you right now in the app store today. The Game 730 AM app is powered by Driven Collision. We make friends by accident. At Back to a discussion you may not be ready to have. He's not afraid to pop the lid on subjects the other guys are. Beanie with Offensive Minded on The Game, 7.30 a.m. Welcome back to the 2024 Academy Awards. Let's send it back to the stage. Here are the nominees for a performance by an actor in a leading role. Cillian Murphy, Oppenheimer. When I came to you with those calculations, we thought we might start a chain reaction that would destroy the entire world. Leonardo DiCaprio, Killers of the Flower Moon. You know, you got, you got nice color skin. What color would you say that is? My color. Bradley Cooper, Maestro. If summer doesn't sing in you, then nothing sings in you. And if nothing sings in you, then you can't make music. Something she told me. Sharon Moore, Hail to the Victims. 
Michigan's boring win over an offensively inept Penn State team against whom the Wolverines were favored by four and a half points, with 55% of all bets and 70% of all money backing them to cover. To win on the road in this environment when there were doubts, what does it mean to you? Well, I thank the Lord. Well, I thank Coach Harbaugh. Love you, man. Love this out of you, man. This is for you. For this university, the president, our AD. We got the best players, best university, best alumni in the country. Love you guys. These guys right here. These guys right here, man. These guys did it. These guys did it, man. Talk to him, man. Love you. Thank you, Coach. And the Oscar goes to... Sharon Moore. Hail to the victims. How Michigan overcame the adversity they created themselves. It's Sharon Moore's first Academy Award for Best Actor, but certainly not the first for Michigan. Moore joins his boss, Jim Harbaugh, who won last year's Oscar for Best Actor for his pearl-clutching performance in the character assassination campaign he carried out against the eight Michigan State players involved in the 2022 Big House Tunnel Fight. Moore joins elite company as a Michigan man who's taken home Best Actor honors with the likes of Lloyd Carr, who won the award in 2003 with his timeless performance in The Field Was Crowned. Frank Beckman, his peerless 2001 work, This Game Was Stolen from the Michigan Wolverines. Jim Brandstetter, for That's Not the Bow I Know, and, well, he's his stepson, not his biological son, in 2021. And the legendary Bo Schembechler, whose sideline antics and post-game bitching earned him multiple Best Actor awards after literally any game he lost, especially his 12 bowl defeats. You didn't think you were going to get through a show without me dunking on Sharon Moore's dist... Oh, my God. That was the most embarrassing thing I may have ever seen happen on a football field. And I've watched Michigan State football play this year. That, oh, boy. That was humiliating. That dramatic display, that thespianism, my God. I, I just... I can't get over... This victim mentality, when, when they, victimize, they victimize themselves. <laughs> Sharon Moore's talking about all the adversity they overcame. Uh, dude, you did it to yourselves. <laughs> You're the ones that created the adversity. You know, when I screw up and I piss off my girlfriend and I have to dig my way out of the doghouse when I do it, I don't give some teary alligator-keared interview with a sideline reporter about how I overcame the odds. <laughs> Jesus. Also, with the way he reacted there, like, did I miss something? Did Big, did the Big Ten and Tony Petiti execute Harbaugh before the game? <laughs> Was he, like, given the chair in the locker room at Beaver Stadium before kickoff? My God. Anyway, I got time for one call before we get out. It's uh, Ted Lansing. What's up, man? How you doing, Beanie? I'm all right. What about you? Well, the, the Michigan interim coach... That's the saddest thing I have ever witnessed. I agree with you. Uh, I don't know why he's crying unless he realizes Harbaugh might not be there next year and he's out of a job. And then they had to keep blimping him because he kept using the F word live. <laughs> yeah, I who mean, was who was running the, the dump button there? Brock Palmbush? Well, whoever it was, they missed the first three because I counted. 
I said, he just said that three times in a row on live TV. Let's yeah. Meanwhile, people TV. freak out here on the tailgate show when I say Jesus. Unbelievable. I know. I know. I know. Um, in terms of uh, the Minnesota coach, no. Period. He's a loser. If he came here for five years, we'd have five years of losing. Forget him. Uh, n- number three point that I'd like to make today is that the Big Ten should be ashamed of himself. Giving Harbaugh a two- or three-game suspension, and the only thing he can't do is go in the stadium, is like me committing murder, and I have to serve one Sunday a month in jail. The rest <laughs> of the time I get to go about my life. Yeah, I, I don't think that's appropriate. Give him nothing. I'd rather they had done nothing if they don't have the guts to do a real penalty. And uh, it, it just is sad. It's sad that the president, the athletic director, and the Board of Regents are letting this program run amok because they keep digging in. Uh, they're like all the henchmen that Nixon had when, when he did things he didn't need to do because he was going to win the election anyways. Uh, yeah, you know, that's finally, that's a good point because a lot of these cheating scandals, it seems like the biggest ones are committed by teams that don't need to do it, like the Patriots, yeah. of course. Yeah, yeah, they did not need to do the illegally recruiting, and everybody wants to forget that in Ann Arbor. They did not need to be stealing signals. This is their most awesome. I've been watching football since 1951, and this there's this is the most awesome Michigan team, and I hate to say that, that I've ever watched. These guys are dynamite, mm-hmm. and they don't need to do anything except sit back and let them play football. Well, one final comment, then I'll shut up. Michigan State needs to get rid of every coach. Michigan State needs to get rid of the president or fill the president's role and get a new athletic director. The athletic director's final straw was when he moved the Penn State game to uh, Detroit. That is absolutely ridiculous, and he should be fired for that alone. Well, I didn't like it either, and thanks for the call, Ted. But, you know, at this point, I'm not as upset about the Penn State thing as I was when it happened because, uh, you know, I figure it's going to look like every other game that State has had against a good opponent this year, meaning they won't be there. They'll just be a glorified clay pigeons for the other team. It's offensive-minded. I'm Beanie. This is the game, 7.30 a.m. Back after these words. The Detroit Red Wings are back for another season on the Lansing Sports Network. He shoots, he scores on the backhand. Lansing's Big Talker, 1240 WJIM. Never miss a game again, whether you're on the go or just like doing it the old-fashioned way and sitting around the radio. Parking scores from the right side goal line. Every face-off and every playoff can be heard on Lansing's exclusive home for Detroit Red Wings hockey. 1240 WJIM, Lansing's only home for hockey. Warning, listening to the game 7.30 a.m. may cause excessive cheering. We're the game 7.30 a.m. WWVFN, East Lansing, a town square media station. The game, 7.30 a.m. Lansing's only sports station. Divorce or custody. From Comerica Park to Jackson Field, we've got the sports opinions that matter to you. From the Driven Collision Studios, we make friends by accident. On the game, 7.30 a.m.
Quarter after five in your capital city. Studs and duds edition of the program here. And the main topic is after just another humiliation for Michigan State football, basically every good team they've played this year, State hasn't really ever shown up against. I've got bad news for you. If they hire anyone but other other than one guy, it's going to be at least another year, probably more than that, of them looking like that in those kind of games. Keep that in mind. So with that, you know, we're asking, is there only one hire Michigan State football can make that would excite you and get you back into this? Or are there multiple? Who is it? Who are they? Obviously, Urban Meyer is at the top of many people's lists. But at the same time, Dr. J, isn't it fair to say he's not on the list for many others? Like, there are a lot of people who don't want Michigan State to even be anywhere near associated with Urban Meyer. But those people don't want to win. Right. Those, those people want a nice guy. They want a very nice man who will, you know, come in and bump elbows and kiss babies <laughs> and get embarrassed by Ohio State and Michigan. Cool. That's not what I'm interested in. I could care less how nice of a coach we get or, or what, what the man's integrity is in terms of family life. I don't really care or his marriage or anything like that. I do not care. The job is about winning football games, and I would like to get back to that. At this point, I would settle at being in these football games. I don't even need to win them yet. Just, you know, hang around. Throw a few punches. Take a few on the chin. Get back up. You know, have a puncher's shot at the end of one of these games against an actual good team. That'd be nice. I would settle for that. As best I can tell, and keep in mind, I'm not an urban or bust person. Because, again, if I were singularly in charge of this coaching search, I would hire Jamie Chadwell, who I think is the next Urban Meyer. Could be wrong. Could be right. I would say the odds are stacked against him being the next Urban Meyer because Urban Meyer is maybe the greatest college football coach of all time. But if I have to pick someone I think is has the best chance of going on that kind of trajectory, it's a guy who's already following that trajectory, and that's Jamie Chadwell at Liberty, who built up Coastal Carolina and is an offensive innovator and tireless recruiter. That's the kind of guy I want, especially in today's day and age. But I wouldn't be upset upset with Urban Meyer. Let me be unequivocal about that. How about you? 517-300-4263. Joe and Lansing's on the line. What's up, man? Hey, what's up? Do they got, like, uh, any mini Sabans around? (laughs) Can we clone (laughs) Saban and even take the reject clone who's three feet tall? I would settle for that, yes. I heard you played the, you know, at the end of the game, the guy was all... You know, for you did for the Academy Award. Yeah, dude, that was just so. Oh, that was just pathetic. I mean, you ride. It reminded me of. Uh, you remember when Terrell, Terrell Owens? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Did the cry scene with Tony Romo? Yeah. It's my brother. That's my yeah. It's my teammate. Like, it's my quarterback. Yeah. It's my quarterback. Yeah. It's like, dude, get get over yourself. They could have won. You could have stood on the sideline and probably won. Maybe. I don't know. I yeah, think, I, th- I think so. Well, I mean, well, look at what Michigan did. They just ran the ball after, like, the midway point of the second half, and they were like, screw this. The only way we're losing this game is if we give them the ball, and we ain't going to do it. 
And then Penn State, I heard Penn State fired their offensive coordinator. Is that true? That's right. James Franklin sacrificed his uh, play caller uh, to try to, you know, stave off the hounds. I don't know, man. I don't, man, they are in a tough spot. I do not relish the decision they have to make because, look, I get it. He doesn't win the two biggest games on his schedule every year. He loses to Michigan and Ohio State every year. He's beaten Ohio State once in 10 years, and I think he's beaten Michigan twice or three times. But I get that. But also, dude, it takes balls to fire a guy who averages 10, 10 wins a year. You know, that, that takes balls. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a little bit uh, over the line. Ten, I take 10, 10 wins a year, I definitely take. Definitely. Well, so. we would for sure. But, like, you know, that's like going up to a starving person and saying, will you eat this turd sandwich? And they'd be like, yeah, I need something. Meanwhile, you know, we'd be like, uh, give us some ribeye. <laughs> so yeah, so yeah. I, I get the it's a tough position. What what Penn State has to do, Penn State is in a, a it's different, but the, the, the situation is similar to Michigan State's in that before they can do anything else, they have to make a fundamental decision on what kind of football program they are. Penn State has to decide, are we okay with winning 10 games a year and always being in third place in the bridesmaid? Or are we willing to push the chips into the center of the table and try to hang with the biggest of big boys and be serious about this and fire this guy and go after someone who can get us over the hump? Michigan State is in a similar position. They have to decide, are we going to be serious about this? and go after one of the whales, like maybe the whale in, in coaching and Urban Meyer who's available and reportedly, you know, at least listening to us? Or are we going to cower out, play it safe, hire a nice guy out of the Mac and be okay with six and six forever? That's, yeah, I, I you know, there are some people, you know, some friends of mine that, you know, were just like uh, satisfied with just the way they were, you know, bowl, you know, so a rose bowl every now and then, but I want dominance for like, you know, it's hard to do though, but I mean, like, you know, here's Alabama's and your Georgia's. I want dominance. I want like Michigan's with 10 and 0 the last two years to start. Yeah. That's what I, that's what I want. Yeah. That'd be nice. As a coach, that'd be, that'd be really nice. Well, let's talk about that. What's, what's realistic to expect out of a Michigan state football program. So when I think about it, Joe, I don't think Michigan State is capable of being on Georgia's level or Alabama's level. No. I don't I don't no. think that's possible. But here's when I think about like what we should be striving to be, I see something like we should be striving to win double digit games every year. That should be an expectation. And we should be striving to be in the mix for the Big Ten every single season, winning it on average once every four. And then once this playoff expands the next year to 12, we should expect to be in the running in November pretty much every season. That doesn't mean we have to make the playoff every year, but we need to win the Big Ten and make the playoff once every four years. Win double-digit games and then win the Big Ten and get the playoff once every four years. What do you think of that? I could I could definitely live with that. Yeah, yeah I think that that's a reasonable fun. expectation too. I'm not. I don't think that's pie in the sky. I mean, with this program's resources and its historic yeah. tradition, like we know what it's capable of. That that should be the expectation. Does that mean they would hit it every year? No, but that's okay. Like that's what we should strive for every year. Yeah, yeah, and it, and it's it's funny because uh, what's what's really it's like you know here's our basketball program. Although we've only got two national championships, but look at how high the level that the program is—you know, eight Final Fours and 
and stuff like that. And, you know, they just, uh, they're, you always expect them to do good at, you know, they made the tournament 20, 28 years in a row. Um, yeah. 26, something like that. But, um, so yeah, yeah, we, you know, uh, I, Urban Meyer can't come in maybe in one year and turn the team around, but I would say give him two years and, you know, because the, just the name Urban Meyer is just, yes. You know, the guys are That's why I think just, if, if they get him, which I don't think is likely, but maybe it could, I don't know. I, I don't know anything about anything anymore. It feels like <laughs> it's hard to predict anything, but if, if he somehow is the coach here next year, then yeah, I think we're looking at, eight, nine wins next year by virtue of he's that good of a coach. But what you just said, too, is even more important. The profile and cachet that he brings with, you're going to get a higher class of, of player in the portal, like immediately. Yeah, yeah. These guys don't care about his past or anything like that. They just know that he's a winner and he's a good coach. So um, Hell no. Yeah, so like, ask any. okay, ask any current player or any former player if they would like Urban Meyer, and you will get an overwhelming yes. Yeah, yeah, without without a doubt. So, um, so I'll do my studs and duds. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, Got to go with uh, C.J. Stroud again. I mean, the guy's yeah. phenomenal, just phenomenal. Outplayed like Joe Burrow. I know it's crazy. Yeah, he's doing he's doing great. Um, then my dud, I guess, would be like uh, Jimbo Fisher. <laughs> Is he a dud though? Because he's getting paid seventy six million dollars to go away. Like that 20, sounds like a stud 20. to me. That does sound like a stud, yeah. I, but I get, what you mean. I get what you mean. Um, yeah. You know who definitely thinks he's a stud right now? Mel Tucker. <laughs> yeah. Mel Tucker's yeah, thinking, definitely. damn, that could have been me. If I could have just waited until I got off the phone, that could have been me. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Petey. Thanks, dude. Appreciate the call. Uh, let me clean up some more here. Let's see. Let's go to the free game 730 a.m. app. The mayor of Holt, John Freeberg, has messaged in. And he says, Studs, Lions, Duds, Michigan State football. The Lions game was great, very entertaining. MSU was so ugly. That is what I expected, though. You were right. Everything you said was right about Michigan State's coaches. Well, thank you. That means a lot coming from a dignitary like the mayor of Holt himself, John Freeberg. I appreciate it. And uh, you're in the drawing. Let me go now to Facebook. Nope, I'll do that one last because there's more meat on that bone. Let me go to the email here, which is beanie at wvfnam.com. The listener formerly known as Daily Double emails in. Steve from email says, conspiracy theory, True Blue has thrown out two names. I think True Blue is very smart. Okay, let me set this up before I go forward. For those of you just joining us, True Blue, longtime listener of this show and prior incarnations of my show. Big Michigan fan. Uh, He called in. And threw out PJ Fleck, right? Who else did he say, Doctor J? Do you remember the Cincinnati coach? Oh, that's right, Luke Fickle. Yeah, Luke Fickle, who's that? Who's five and five in his first year at Wisconsin, following a twenty-four to ten home loss to North Frickin Western. By the way, Northwestern's coach is probably the Big Ten coach of the year, right? He has to be. It can't be the guy who's been suspended twice for two different incidents. I mean, he just can't. It can't be. You think the Big Ten's going to let that happen? Hell no. Anyway, Steve from email writes in, conspiracy theory, True Blue has thrown out two names, uh, Luke Fickle and PJ Fleck. I think True Blue is very smart, and he knows that either one of those guys would stink at MSU, and MSU would be lousy for years to come, and that would be good for Michigan. You know, 
Yes, I, I think that's going on. I don't know if True Blue is deliberately, you know, hoping state sabotages itself with a coaching hour. Not that you have to hope for that. That's kind of the legacy of the place. But I digress. I definitely have noticed this going on in Michigan circles and also within the, the media, with the Michigan accomplices in the media. They're doing the same thing. Have you noticed, Dr. J, since the job became available, there, there's an alarming number of media types saying Harlan Barnett deserves a fair shake at the job. And what you'll notice is, to a T, almost to the letter, every person in the media suggesting that is a U of M flunky. It's almost like they want state to shoot themselves in the foot. Yeah, it's very um, transparent. Yeah. And look, that's okay. I don't blame you. I wanted, okay, twenty fifth the, the off season of 2014, like the week after the season ended, that meeting was happening that Monday, I think it was, in Ann Arbor. And I was praying to God that Michigan would keep Brady Hoke because I knew Jim Harbaugh was available. And I was like, please, dear baby Jesus, I know we have been so lucky the last two hires at Michigan, but please let it last one more year so that Harbaugh can get picked up by another NFL team and he can't come here and we can enjoy this glorious run a little bit longer. Well, it didn't. We know what happened. And that's okay. There's nothing wrong with hoping bad things happen to your rival. In fact, that's quite normal behavior. That's not just a sports thing. I mean... Do we want good things to happen to Vladimir Putin? Well, maybe some of us do, but that's beyond the point. (laughs) Not me. Do you think Vladimir Putin wants good things to happen to us? Of course not. Of course not. Because when you're in a rivalry, what's good for one is bad for the other. And vice versa. It's a zero-sum game. People wonder all the time, how come Michigan State and Michigan football are never good at the same time? It seems like that's why this place ain't big enough for the two of us. That's why generally that has held true. So I I get it. I I don't blame Michigan fans for saying, oh, well, State should keep Barnett. Now, that's an increasingly untenable position if you want to be counted among those of us who aren't brain dead. So what they've shifted to lately is Jason Candle has done a hell of a job at Toledo. Has he? Has he, though? Look, I would respect it more from the U of M crowd if they were just transparent about it. It's okay to hate us. It's okay to root for us to fail. I would expect nothing less. Something would be very wrong if you weren't doing that. You think I'm rooting for Jim Harbaugh to leave and Michigan to replace him with, uh, I don't know, Lincoln Riley? No. No, I want him to screw up. I want him to promote Mike Hart or Sharon Moore. I want one of those jokes running the program. Not a good coach. Because I'm normal. I want bad things to happen to my rival because that's good for me. It's harder for Michigan State to do well when Michigan's doing well vice versa have you noticed there's what they call in math an indirect relationship there that's not a coincidence uh steve says my studs are the lions i'm getting closer to drinking the kool-aid my dud is the washington husky player who intercepted a pass thinking he was in the end zone but actually dropped the ball at the one yard line that mistake did not cost him the game but it could have sealed it yeah did you see that dr j this happens at least once every season this phenomenon, this epidemic of players, whether they're 
on a pick six or a long touchdown runner pass. They just drop the football like a yard before they cross the goal line. I know. It makes no sense to me. Like, wouldn't you want to make sure you were in the end zone first? Yes. I, it's it's the most careless, stupid, reckless thing. And what's the point? Does, does it make you look badass if you drop the ball immediately when you cross the goal line? Like, I don't see any incentive to try to time it up perfectly. What difference does it make? You, you just You're on a pick six. It's cool no matter what. You could crab walk into the end zone and people are like, badass, pick six. Like, if you're trying to look all hard and tough, I don't know, like turn around and wave at the guys. That's cool, like Tyreek Hill does. Or do the uh, the Marshawn Lynch, the, the dive into the end zone where you spin around midair and grab your junk at the other team. Very cool, very gangster. What's not is dropping the ball at the one. Now, luckily for Washington, Utah is on like its eighth quarterback this year, so they immediately sacked him for a safety, and they win the game by a score anyway. But, yes, that looked like – do you realize if that had cost them the game, that would have ruined Washington's season probably? Like, they, they go from undefeated to tumbling out of that, maybe, you know, tumbling out of the Pac-12 championship game, depending on what shakes out the rest of the way. That could have been such a crippling error. And the thing about it is – it was completely self-induced. How freaking stupid. Like, if you're a coach, how do you... Ha- oh, my God. You know, I saw a clip last week from some high school where a player... I don't know what he did. He didn't do anything like that, but this player screwed up on the field, took a bad penalty, and he came off the field, and his coach punched him. Just threw a straight-up haymaker into the kid's, like, into the kid's like shoulders and neck. And I was like, good Lord, the guy got fired and I think is under criminal investigation, the coaches. But I saw that. Be. Yeah, I agree. But I saw that and I was like, my God, what could ever happen in a football game that would make a coach want to drop one of his players? And then I saw that Washington player on Saturday. And if I were Kalen DeBoer, I would have done a, a Drew McIntyre Claymore drop kick and that dude's nuts. That was so stupid. Every year this happens. And good players do it, too. It's not just it's not bums who aren't used to being in the end zone. Deshaun Jackson is the one who made it popular like 10 years ago. A guy who was frequently running all alone into the end zone with the football. I don't know. What's going on? Is, is, is the football like, is it hot? <laughs> and these guys are like, hoo, hoo, ha, ha. Has it recently rolled around in insulation so it's itchy as hell? What's the deal? That is so stupid. I hate that so much. That's up there with like TikTok videos as some of the dumbest behavior I've ever seen. That guy is so lucky. Anyway, let me go to Facebook now. We got a message here from Robert. He messages in. Studs, Lions offense, dud, the Lions defense. Yeah, right strategy there at the end. You know, to, to try to pick it up so you can bleed the clock down and kick the game-winning field goal because you just couldn't let your defense have an opportunity to blow that, right? You feel the same, Dr. J? Absolutely. Because if, if they don't have the balls, if they don't have Dan Campbell's enormous planetary-sized balls <laughs> to go for it so that they can just keep chewing clock there and then kick the field goal as time expires... They probably, well, they would kick a longer field goal. Who knows if that's good? Even if it is, you know, the Chargers get the ball back 
with plenty of time to move against that Swiss cheese defense and win the game with a touchdown, right? And you know if you gave the ball back to the Chargers, Aaron Glenn was going to personally escort them into the end zone, it seemed like. That was awful, but it doesn't matter because they took care of business. And big game Dan, Dan the Gamble Campbell, came through again. And the Lions are 7-2, and two, by God. How about it? Yeah, they definitely would have lost that game if they had made different choices at the end. Yeah, but doesn't matter because Dan Campbell said, nope. me and my gigantic testicular <laughs> fortitude are not going to let this one get away. We are getting to 7-2, baby. I love Dan Campbell. It's hard not to, isn't it? By the way, oh my gosh, I heard something that is going to upset you badly. Uh-oh. I'm going to save it for the next segment because there's more okay. to Robert's message here on Facebook. He says, Tim and Comperoni were really high on Toledo's coach, Jason Campbell, today. Are you kidding? Seriously, Comp? I expect that out of Tim. But Comp? What? Don't tell me that. That can't be. I respect Comp a lot. Tim? Eh. I could take him or leave him. (laughs) But no, seriously, um, please tell me that's not true. I'm not going to be able to withstand comp being on the Jason Candle train. (sighs) What is with this? I mean, I know what's with it. It's a coordinated media effort, like we talked about earlier, from U of of M's, you know, accomplices in the media to try to... Look, there's a very overt psyop. I don't even know if it's a PSYOP because a PSYOP would indicate it's covert, but it's not. It's completely transparent and out in the open. The media here obviously carries Michigan's water, but part of it is they want to make sure Michigan State's fans continue to think small. So when the job opens, that's why there are all these coaching lists coming out with Harlan Barnett on it, with Jason Campbell on the list, with Pat frickin' Shermer on the list, with Matt House the defensive coordinator at LSU, who Brian Kelly is about to fire. You know, Matt Lewis, the offensive coordinator at Colorado, who just got demoted. They want you to think small so that you stay small, so that you don't realize Michigan State kind of is a sleeping giant in terms of resources. They want, they want to keep you asleep. If you think about it, Michigan and its friends in the media are kind of like the machines in the Matrix movie. They want to make sure you're still plugged in and you don't realize what's really going on. Jason Cam, come on, man. Listen, this is not personal. I've never met the man. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. But Jason Candle took over Toledo, which, by the way, is the best MAC program bar none over the last 40 years. They are the Ohio State of the MAC. Just a fact. It's really easy to be successful within the MAC when you're the coach at Toledo. Just is. Matt Campbell was the coach. He did pretty well there. And in like four years, he was gone to a Power 5 job, Iowa State. When he left, his offensive coordinator took over. That's Jason Candle. Guess how many years he's been at Toledo? This is his ninth season. I guess I have to say this again. But being a group of five head coach is a lot like being a minor league baseball player. If you're, if you're stuck there for anything more than three, four, at most five seasons, you ain't a major leaguer. 
you're a career 4A guy. Jason Candle has doubled that tenure. He is in year nine at Toledo. And I'll tell you what's most troubling about it. He takes over with Matt Campbell's programs, goes nine and four in his first year. Second year, 11 and three. Then the next four years are very mediocre. Seven and six, six and six, four and two in the COVID year, and seven and six in 2021. Not good. Now he's turned it around since then. Nine wins last year, and they're nine and one right now. But I'm not interested in a Mac coach at the best Mac program who's been there for a decade and had a middle four years that was incredibly mediocre, even by Mac standards. Not interested. Sorry. We can do better. I think more highly of myself than that. Forgive me. I have standards. 517-342-63. Jeff, what's up? Well, you, you got to give up on Urban Meyer. He's, he doesn't want to come here. Watching on TV, making millions of dollars, sitting at a desk, and just talking. Why would he want to come to this headache, first of all? Yeah, I, look, I get that. Let's go, let's go one by one. I, look, I think that's a good point. And the question is, is there a dollar amount where Urban Meyer says, honey, this is irresponsible if we don't take this? I don't know. He, he might already feel like they've got more money than their generations down the line after he's dead that his family could ever spend. I don't know. But $7 million a year for a couple hours of work per you know weekend for, what, 12 weekends of the fall? That is pretty good eating. I just, if, if, you're Michigan, if you're Michigan State, you, you, you're trying to prey on that ember in the back of his head and try to light it that he has that pathological obsession with competition and coaching. And I've been told uh, by people in the know that I would trust that he wants to coach again and that he's going to. Whether it's at Michigan State remains to be seen. I doubt it personally but i do i i gotta believe if they offered him enough money you know he'd be here because seven million's a lot but you know what's more more than double that 15 like that'd be hard to say no to wouldn't it 15 for three years and you're gonna make your successor in those three years ready to take over for you i think you make over a plan like that he can come back prove himself and then set up the program i would be okay with that me too your guy from liberty to come with him Oh, if if that oh my God, Jeff, be careful! I can't I can't go through the biological functions that you almost caused by coming up with that idea. <laughs> if Urban Meyer comes here and brings Jamie Candle with him as head head coach and wait, oh my God, uh, I'll oh my God, I'm going to turn into Mel Tucker on this radio show. Is what's going to happen? Someone's going to have to like handcuff me to the chair to the armrest because I can't contain myself. Let me give you my studs and duds. My stud would be Dobbs from Minnesota Vikings. Mm-hmm. I mean, look yeah. what he stepped in and done. Holy cow. Yeah. And my dud would be the uh, NFL game in Germany this week. Yeah, with 10 to 6 Colts over Patriots. Wow, we're really marketing our product well to the Germans. I'm sure they love it. <laughs> <laughs> That's all I got. All right, man. Today. Thanks for the call, Jeff. I appreciate it. Whew. I need a cigarette after that idea. Oh, I'm all hot and bothered over here. Did you hear what he suggested, Dr. J? Did you hear that? Yes, I heard. So you're telling me I get Urban Meyer as the head coach at Michigan State for three to five years, which, you know, on its own, that's... You're next, ladies. Oh, (laughs) yeah. But on top of that, I get Jamie Candle as the head coach in waiting. Yeah, sorry, what did I say? Candle. Oh, my God. No, not him. Not him. If I get Urban Meyer for five years, which is good enough for me, and I would roll the dice after that. 
Hell, I'd let him pick J- uh, Jason Candle to be a successor. I'd be fine with that as long as we get him for five years and Jason Candle can learn what it's like to be a real coach. That'd be cool. But if I get him and then during that five years, he's grooming and tutoring Jamie Chadwell. And then he takes over as, you know, his successor. At, at that point, he'd be like age 51, 52. Oh, my. That sounds sexy. Oh, my God. I, I, I don't know. I need some dramatic music underneath me. Yeah, because that's, um, well, that's an exciting proposition. I think I should leave it at that, right? I go down on this guy. Control yourself, Tim. It's offensive-minded. I'm Beanie. This is the Game 730. Get your Detroit Lions pregame fix all season with nachos and kneecaps. The Lansing area's very own local Detroit Lions tailgate show. Presented by Momentum Health Center and Mason. Join yours truly, Beanie, from offensive-minded on the Game 730 AM and Brock Palmbush every week about two hours before kickoff. We cover all the Lions angles, player availability, matchups, outrageous Dan Campbell in-game decisions and audio, local ski mask tales, and everything else. Nachos and kneecaps presented by Momentum Health Center and Mason is also brought to you by Miller Lite. On Classic Rock 94.9 MMQ and the game 730. There's only one station in Lansing that you've depended on for sports for over 30 years. Some call us by our government-given name of WVFN East Lansing. You can call us by the name the people of Lansing know us by. And that name is The Game. 7.30 a.m. Start your weekday morning with the Dean of Sports, Tim Stout. Middays with Mike Greenberg. Offensive-minded with Beanie Howell. And The Huge Show with Bill Simonson. We're a force to be reckoned with. We're Lansing's only sports station. The game, 730 AM. Sports talk and the best, best, best. Play-by-play in Lansing. It's what we do. It's what we do. We're Lansing's sports leader. The game, 730 AM. song's in my head for some reason after the last caller, Jeff, suggested Urban Meyer as head coach with Jamie Chadwell as his successor head coach in waiting. Oh, yeah. That sounds sexy. Vibrator. 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 I go down on this guy. Thanks, Tim. Hey, I'm excited by that proposition, too. <laughs> Back to the phones. There's no segue from that. 517-300-4263. Dan in Delta Township. What's up, man? Hey, Brandon. How you doing today? I'm all right. What about you? Pretty good. Are you doing our studs and duds today? Yeah, go ahead. I'll take for uh, my duds. It's not just for this week, but kind of for the whole season. I'm a, I'll take the uh, the Patriots performance, the New England Patriots. Mm-hmm. And then uh, for the studs, I'll take the Lions' uh, last-second victory yesterday. Yeah. I mean, you got both ends of the spectrum there. Uh, man, is yeah. Bill Belichick going to get fired in season? I'm going to guess no, or else they would have done it already, right? But he's definitely gone. That's, that's what I'm thinking. But can I talk a couple minutes about the uh, – coaching search or just college football yeah. coaching in general uh-huh yeah well obviously and i've had this opinion probably for the last 10 or 15 years you know obviously the head coach and the coordinators get in college get get the uh the bigger pay and the bigger criticism and the bigger praise but i'm of the opinion that if 
a college a college football player what most determines if they're going to get better during their four, three or four or five years in college. Not the head coach, not the coordinators. It's their position coach. I'm I'm of the position. You know, obviously you don't want a bad head coach or a bad coordinator, but I'm of the uh, opinion. Either side of the ball, offense or defense, I'll take an adequate offensive coordinator or an adequate defensive coordinator with three or four outstanding position coaches rather than vice versa. That's That's been my opinion for a while. You, so you value the coordinator position more than the uh, positional coaches is what you're saying? Nope, nope, the opposite. Oh, I okay. Value the, the, gotcha. The, I value, at least in college, high school and the pros, you know, might be different, but in, in college, I'm, I, I believe that the position coach is a far more valuable position than the coordinator. That, hmm. That's my opinion. You know, I, I, this is interesting. I've never really thought about it, to be honest with you. Um, I don't know. Maybe, I'm not saying you're wrong, but I wonder if it can work either way, depending on who the people involved are. Yeah, yeah, maybe. But the, uh, you know, I don't know about much about the, uh, your, you know, preferred, uh, choice per se is he he's the head coach uh, somewhere in the mid-south is that correct jamie chadwell is the head coach at liberty in his first year okay. he because hugh freeze was there but now he took the auburn job so chadwell okay. is the guy who built up coastal carolina and okay okay, I, okay. before that he built a national championship fcs program at charleston southern uh then he okay, took over coastal carolina and the, yeah okay yeah, he's dude. Okay. He's he's. I think he's like forty six. Uh, offensive guy. You know, he he um, he's an innovator. He busts ass on the recruiting recruiting trail. Like he doesn't just tolerate it. He likes recruiting. That's important. I think nowadays, especially. And he okay. likes to hire different guys from other staffs. I think that's also very important. So, yeah, like uh, okay. look, I love Urban Meyer as as an idea here, and I would be thrilled. That's why I played that song. <laughs> I'd be thrilled <laughs> if Urban Meyer's the next coach here. I would just, I think it's a better, although, you know, um, tougher needle to thread, but a better overall approach to try to find the next Urban Meyer, a guy who could do this for 10 plus years at Michigan State. And I'd be willing to risk it on Jamie Chadwell. Yeah, I kind of think so too. And then I'm not going to, I'm not going to say that Urban Meyer wouldn't succeed if he was MSU's head coach, but I think, correct me if I'm wrong on this fact, but when Urban Meyer left coaching, there was no NIL or transfer Correct. portal yet. So I think it's a, it's an entirely, even though it's only been, what, three, four, five years since he left college, it's a whole different ballgame than when he was in college, in my opinion. Yep, that's true. So we don't know how he would handle that, but the guy was a head coach for like uh, almost 20 years, and he navigated all the changes that happened there just fine. So I suspect he would be okay, and he's a smart dude. I don't think he'll take a job unless they give him enough funding there to make the NIL stuff work for him, right? Yeah, that's correct. But I have a good night, Brandon. Okay, you too, man. I appreciate it, Dan. Oh, okay, let me make sure I'm caught up here. I think we are because, okay, good. So I have just enough time to get to this, Dr. J. So Texas A&M fired Jimbo Fisher early yesterday morning, which there had been rumblings about all season. A lot of the reporting said, though, that they weren't going to do it because the buyout is so much. Yeah, it is. Specifically, like $76 million. He had eight years left. And $76 million. There's so many wild stats about this, okay? So this is from Stuart Mandel. To pay Jimbo Fisher's massive buyout, Texas A&M will pay the initial $19.4 million that he is contractually owed within the next 10 days, 
through their A&M donor fund. Then the athletic budget takes a $7.3 million hit every year for eight years. <laughs> Only in college football is that kind of stuff agreed upon. Can you imagine if you agreed to that kind of deal in, in anywhere else in the real world? Hold on a second. I don't hear you. Try again. I said, yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Also, they beat the hell out of Mississippi State on Saturday. Then they fired him <laughs> the next morning. Um, apparently, the Board of Regents at AM made this decision on Thursday, but then decided, you know, hey, we can't fire him now. Thursday, that wouldn't be fair to the team. So let's wait till after the game. You know what else is funny, Dr. J? Both head coaches in that game got fired the next day. Mississippi State what? fired their head coach. Oh, boy. Man. <laughs> SEC, man, it just means more, as they say. Oh, boy. The numbers are just absolutely incredible. I, I can't get over it. The numbers behind this thing. Just, my gosh, the money. What a sweet deal. He's getting paid three quarters of a of, of hundred million dollars to just go away. How much would Town Square pay me to go away? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. I'd have to pay them to go away. Yeah. That's true. They need me way more than AM needed Jimbo. By the way, Jimbo Fisher, next MSU head coach? No. Yeah, I don't think so. I wouldn't want that either. No offense to him, but uh, I'm good. I'm good there. Uh, more stats on the Jimbo buyout, which is just incredible and, and peerless in nature. Here's the buyout payments to Jimbo Fisher. Within six, oh, it's 60 days, not 10 days. A&M owes him $19.4 million within 60 days. They owe him an additional $7.27 million within 120 days. Then in 2025... 2026, 27, 28, 29, 30, and 31, they will pay him $7.27 million each year. Why would you ever work again? Yeah, there's no reason to. Hey, he got fired, but he's on a very sandy and sunny beach right now, sipping a Mai Tai with a lot of barely clad local women. And I just got to say, the dude is living the dream, and I am jealous. Man, it's incredible. The numbers are just insane. Biggest college football buyouts ever paid. Fifth largest ever. Texas uh, paid Tom Herman, who I think Michigan State should at least call and talk to, by the way. He's the head coach at Florida Atlantic now. Texas paid Tom Herman $15.4 million to fire him. Florida State played, paid Willie Taggart $18 million. Notre Dame paid Charlie Weiss $19 million. Auburn paid Gus Malzahn $21.5 million, and then all alone, far away at number one, Texas A&M paid Jimbo Fisher $76 million. Wow. It's good work if you can get it. <laughs> Here's another theory. Jim Harbaugh gets fired or whatever, leaves for the NFL. Would Michigan hire Jimbo Fisher? No. Can we just say he would fit? I know he's not a Michigan man, but he's he's a guy. Look, he, he has a national championship under his belt. That alone is is attractive, I think. But also, doesn't he fit Michigan in that he's always overbilled but under delivers? I mean, that's true, but I'll tell you why they would never hire him. Michigan will not have a head coach named Jimbo. <laughs> but Jessica, you just stumbled on the best part. His name is equal parts 
the prodigal son and the father figure of <laughs> Michigan football. Oh, gosh. No, but it's just that would, you know, disqualify him from the job. Just his name. If you think I was reacting like this. Vibrator. Vibrator. To Urban Meyer and Jamie Chadwell taking over Michigan State. You should hear Michigan fans if they hire a guy whose name is a combination of Harbaugh and Schimbeckler's first names. It would be... Oh, yeah. In fact, that's an actual Michigan fan making that noise. (laughs) Okay, here's what I wanted to throw out to you. So, you know, just like what happened here, immediately after the news went went, uh, official that Jimbo was gone, all the little stories came out with the short lists for the next Michigan coach, right? All of them. You mean the next A&M coach? Yeah, sorry. The next A&M coach, like the short list came out. Bruce Feldman had a list. All right, so Mike Elko's on the list because, you know, he's done well at Duke, even though they're, what, like six and four now. But he was the A&M defensive coordinator for several years, and they were very good there, so he knows lay of the land. Apparently, he's high on the list. But um, a few other names on there. Urban Meyer was not on the list. But you know what did surprise me? The last name on the list, Dr. J, and I don't know if you are spiritually ready to hear this. I think I know what you're about to say, but go ahead. The man is very near and dear to your heart, and he's an mm-hmm. A&M alum. He played tight end at Texas A&M, and, well, let's just say his coaching star has risen dramatically lately. Can you name him? Dan Campbell. Let's go live to Dr. J's analysis of Dan Campbell. I go down on this guy. <laughs> Um, he will not leave the Lions for Texas A&M. No, I agree. And here's why. Not because the Lions are some sacred cow. That's not why. But the NFL is. When a, when a head coach in the NFL is on the uptick, you know, and his, his star is climbing in the NFL, and he has a team that's still on the up and up that looks like it's going to be a serious contender for at least the next several years, and not just in his division, but, I mean, overall for a Super Bowl They don't leave then, and they certainly don't leave for college. The only time an NFL head coach leaves for a college role is if he's about to get fired. That's it. They don't leave for the college game when things are going well for them. It just doesn't happen. Dan Campbell ain't leaving the Lions for A&M. Don't worry. Not only would it be, not only would it make no sense it would be a way bigger pain in the ass for Dan Campbell because there's no offseason. The man has never had to recruit before. That alone would be like, no, thanks. Oh, and um, he's probably having a pretty good time coaching the Lions right now because they're winning. You know what, yeah. A&M? The following is a presentation of the Michigan Sports Network. Mondays on the Huge Show across Michigan are presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Always use code HUGE when you sign up. And this week, you can get in on the Pistons and the NBA action. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. And new customers who use code HUGE when they sign up can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for just...